Well, good morning, church. Looks better in here. Before we got started singing, I was like, man, I preached on generosity last week and nobody felt generous to show up. <laughs> but I'm proud y'all showed up. That's a good deal. I tell you, as, um, as that last song, it always touches me. Um, think about how awesome Jesus is, how marvelous, how wonderful that my Savior died for me. This is all about Jesus. Amen. Amen. If it wasn't for him, there would be no reason to even be here today. You know, and, and, and it just it ties into exactly what God, I, y'all have to bear with me this morning. I, um, I'm probably going to be all over the place because as I was, um, as I was there uh, trying to be, get ready to preach this morning, I prepared everything that I felt like God wanted me to say, but I'm, I feel like he's sending me in another direction. So if I, if I hang a left, y'all just hang on, all right? We'll be back directly. But we're in this series called Bigger Than Me, where we're trying to, uh, where I feel like all of us need to understand that this life is bigger than me, that, that where I am, my gifting, my calling, what I'm, everything about my life is more than just me. And when we get over ourselves long enough to see Jesus as the center of our life, then that's when we begin to live a life of more purpose, more intentionality, and we begin to see God do things in our life. And see, so many of us live a life of, of just dryness, of faithlessness, because we've never got over us and exalted Jesus. We've never put him first. And so when we start putting God first, when we see everything in light of eternity, that's a game changer. And I know that changed everything in my life, but see, we need to understand that this is bigger than me. And, and trying to live a life with eternity in the crosshairs, that's, that's the goal, to hear my Jesus say, well done. Well done. If I've lived my entire life doing everything that I wanted to do, I was happy as I could be in this life, and I got to heaven where I'm going to spend eternity and him say, I, did, I had this for you and that for you and this for you to do, but yet you chose to please you and not me. And everything that I had done on this earth would be worthless compared to what he had in store for me. I don't want to be that person, to you? So that's why it's so important that we take God at his word and we, and we understand exactly what he has called us to be and called us to do. So this week, we're going to be going in the direction of, of talking about community, how, how being a part of a community makes us, it almost forces us to life not to be about us. Because when you're doing life with other people, it can't be about you, can it? It can't. Some of y'all ain't going to like this because you, like, you, you don't like being in community. You don't like being around other people. You don't even like people, period. By the look on your face, I could tell that. So you don't even want to be around people. You're like, I don't even like the person I'm sitting by right now. So why are you talking about that? But, but God's called us to be a people that are doing life together. And as you do life with them one another, you begin to learn people better than you did before. You get to see their bad side, including their good side. You get to see what, you get to see the reality of who they are. Because people can talk a good game, can't they? But when you start doing life with people, you got to realize, hey, there's some stuff that you are embellishing on, brother. There's some, there's some parts of your life that you say that you've, you've conquered or there's some things, attitudes that you say that you're okay with, that you've done, uh, give it to God, but yet it keeps a reoccurring. 
And when you do life with one another, it helps purify us. It helps make us what God's called us to be. But that's something that we say we want, but yet we don't really want. We say we want community. We'll go hang out with people. But when we start holding people accountable, it's like, hey, ho, ho, ho. It's all right to come hang out and eat and do some things together. But you start calling me out on some stuff. Now, I don't like that too much. But if we're, we're supposed to be, what's God's word say? Is iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. We're supposed to sharpen one another, believers. We're supposed to be growing closer and closer to Christ's likeness. If it was God's purpose for you to get, get baptized and say you won't follow Jesus and sit your butt on that pew and never change, then there would be no reason for us to have church. There'll be no reason for us to come together. There'll be no reason to do the things that we do. God's called us to be different. 1 Thessalonians 5. All right. It says, but you brothers and sisters, verse 4, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. He's talking about the day that Jesus will return. Verse 5, you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and be sober. We're going to hold up for right there. Let me tell you, when you decide to follow Jesus, the first thing that happens is you should start to change. Amen? Because your eyes have been opened to the reality of who God really is. Not to what you grew up. Not to the religious, religious nature that you grew up in. Not to people saying, you know, it's okay to follow Jesus, but just come to church. And, and that's, that's, all, that's all you got to do. So many of us have been jaded by our past church, I guess, church culture, our past church background. That it's all about religion, not about relationship. And he's saying, look, it should be, you should be changing. There should be light in your life. If there's light in your life, you're going to see things differently. Y'all with me? A lot of us are stumbling through life because the lights have never really came on. I remember um, when we first bought our house, it came with some cool stuff. I didn't know even they even made it at the time. It's got there's dimmers on it. And when I first turned the light on, after we bought the house, we were, mo- we were moving in that night. I was like, oh, Lord, there's an electrical problem. Because the lights, they was, and I just clicked it on, and the lights wouldn't get dark. It was just dim in there. I was like, man, what in the world is going on? And finally... My wife, she's like, what's this button do? She'll press any button anywhere. What's this button do? The lights come bright as they could be. And I was like, oh. But that's how it is. It should be in our life with Jesus. When we first get saved, things that were dark begin to be a little fuzzy because there's some lights turned on. And the more closer you you grow and you get to Jesus, the brighter the light gets. And so it's about focusing on Jesus and changing our life. In such a way that glorifies him. So Paul's talking to these people and he's telling them, look, you were children of the darkness. You were people that were not following Christ, but now you are children of the light. Now you are followers of Christ. Just because now you're a follower of Christ means that there is something that you need to do in response to that. Y'all with me? In response to that. He said, so don't be like people of the night. Don't be like others who are asleep, who are just coasting, who are just taking it easy. But he says, be awake, be sober, be alert. Verse 7 says, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. 
But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. He's saying, let us realize where we, what, what time we live in. Turn on the news, people. Look around. The reality that eternity could be right around the door. All the bad stuff that's going on isn't just because it's the, it's just the, it's the time we live in and it's the time God's purposed it to be. And I know a lot of us have heard that, God, that, that Jesus is coming back since my grandma. My grandma used to say, I've heard it since I was a kid. But I want to tell you something. He's coming back. His word says he's coming back. And it could be tomorrow. And when he comes, if he comes back tomorrow, is he going to find you faithful? Is he going to find you a, a, a true servant? Or is he going to find you just being this religious person that's been going through the motions and he, you do not have him in your heart? Because that's what matters. That's what matters. That's what it means to be sober-minded, being alert, being alert. Because when you're sober, you pay attention to things. I can remember back to the days when I wasn't sober all the time. Some of y'all can relate to that. Some of y'all might have been like that last night, and I ain't going to call nobody out, but that was a joke. You can laugh. Somebody's like, <gasps> he's seen me. <laughs> the thing is, when you're drunk, when you're drunk, you, it's got all your senses jacked up. And you think you're having a good time. But just wait till in the morning. And it's the same thing. If we're drunk on this world, our senses are fuzz, fuzzy. We think, it, we think things are reality that are not. Let me tell you, I used to think I was the life of the party and realize I was just a joke of the party. You see things from a different perspective and it's not the right perspective. And so many of us are drunk on this world that we're not focused on what really matters. And when morning comes, when Jesus shows up, we're going to be in a bad place. If we've allowed the, our life and this world to influence us more than God's word has. So God's called us to be intentional with that. But he says, putting on faith and love and the breastplate, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So he's saying in that scripture all the way through, remember that we need to be awake. Remember that, that because of the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, because of that sacrifice, we should be living a life that glorifies God. He goes through that whole thing. And whenever there's a therefore in there, it's, you got to understand what it's there for. Y'all know, know what I meant? And the reason they put therefore, because he wanted you to understand, because of all that, because of all that Jesus has done, because of, of, of the things that he's done for our lives, because we should be looking for the return of Christ, because of all that, therefore, we should encourage one another and build each other up. How many need some encouragement from time to time? I need it a lot. And, and the only way you get godly encouragement is you got to be around godly people. My grandma used to always tell me, the bad company, what did she say? Bad company corrupt, corrupts good morals. That's what she's always telling me growing up. The company you keep often, the company you keep often, dictates the attitude you have. The company you keep often dictates the attitude you have. 
And so that's why having godly community is so important. When you surround yourself with godly men and women that love Jesus, you're going to get encouraged in the things of the Lord. You're going to get pressed into the you're going to get pressed into the right road and the right direction in which God has for your life because you're listening to the right voices. But if you don't have that, in, that influence, that encouragement in your life, you're just listening to what everybody else has to say. Lord, help those of you in this room that go to, go to Facebook every morning for your encouragement. You are messed up. I get on Facebook for five minutes, and I'm just like, oh, I'm on suicide watch almost. It's depressing. Some people saying how good God is. Other people saying how bad God is. People blaspheming God. People talking about this person. Yesterday, this man was talking about Jesus, and the next day, he's cussing on there. It's like, man, where are you at? What's going on? And, and it's just, it gets me, in, it gets my stomach in a knot because I was like, man, if you could just get around the right people, it would change everything. See, God's called us to have a godly community where we encourage people. And, this, that, and that's why we do connect groups at Connection Church. So we believe that's where real life change happens, when you get in community. I grew up in church my whole entire life. I got saved in 2008, and there was always was something missing, always. I would go to church with a group of people, and the only time I would see them would be on Sunday. And that was it. Bad stuff happened in my life. Nobody called. Stuff, anything going on. It was like I was just doing life by myself, and then when I went to Sunday, they were like, What's going on? Yeah, I tell them what happened. They pat me on the back and say, we'll see you next week. And I just, I didn't feel like I was a part of anything. And when you're out there by yourself, it feel, it's a lonely road, isn't it? When it's like you have to figure it out on your own, and God didn't intend it that, didn't, didn't intend for it to be that way. I mean, Jesus surrounded himself with 12 men to do life with. So God didn't call us to do life alone. But in order for us to desire to do that, we've got to realize that other people in our life is for our benefit. To help hone us, to help knock off the hard edges, to have the hard conversations with you. So that it's not that they're trying to condemn you, it's that they're trying to help make you into the image that God's called you to be. Dallas and I have a relationship in which um, it's okay to have hard conversations. And most of the time, if Dallas calls me and says, hey, can you meet me in office? We need to talk about something. I'm like, well, it's something I done done wrong. Or an attitude in which I've had. But I love that relationship because I know that he's out for my good, not for my harm. And if there's something that I, and I'm the type of person that I want to please Jesus above everything else. And if there's anything in me that don't please God, I want you to bring it out so I know that. But only Dallas has a license to do that, so nobody else have, can do that. So Dallas, Dallas will call me and we'll have that conversation. But without Dallas, I would never have had that in my life. I never had that before. And the first time he did that, I was mad. But I realized it was for my good, not for my harm. So godly community, it helps each other. It helps us reach our full potential. That's what it does. When, you, when, you've had, when you're in community with other believers, it's, it's, it's designed to help you grow closer to Christ. To reach your potential. You will not reach the potential in which God's called you until you get surrounded around people that are going in the same direction. No doubt. No doubt. There's a lot of godly men and women that have made it walking solo. But that was not God's design. We have to desire to be in godly community. 
because being around godly community, it's, it's encouraging one another, spurring each other on in the faith, helping each other take the next step. See, some of us, is, 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 it's like the lady I saw at, uh, at Six Flags. We were riding one of those. Y'all remember that? They may still have it. I ain't been there in a long time. But they used to have that, that big old bungee cord that they pulled back and, and it, it, it hooked it way up here. And they let you go. And you fell, free fell, and then it tightened up. Y'all remember? Is it still there? Anyway, there was a lady there that she wanted to ride that thing. So bad. She was all in the line. I'm going to ride this. I'm gonna, she was the old lady, too. I'm going to ride this. I'm going to ride this. And it was inspiring me. Like, man, this lady's going to ride this thing. And I was scared. Like, I ain't going to punk out now. This, lady, this old lady's going to ride it. I'm going to ride this thing. And we get up there, and that lady gets right there to where she's going to step over into the bucket. And she loses it. I ain't doing this. Oh, she goes off. And she turns around. And, and it was my buddy and me right there. And she turns around and she grabs both of our hands. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know we were bringing her off or she was bringing us on. My buddy looked at her. He said, I don't know what her name was. He said, you can do this. And she yanked us in the bucket. And we went up and. She, went, she wanted to go by herself. She went by herself. That lady did it by herself. But she wouldn't have took that step, that next step, if she didn't have my buddy there saying, you can do this. She would have got off and never experienced the rush that ride had in store for her. See, a lot of us need somebody to grab our hand and say, you can do this. There's a lot of people when they first get saved, when they first start following Christ, this gets really, really hard. And to the point where they want to quit because They've got all their old, old nature pulling on their new nature, and they want to quit. They need people in their life that will grab their hand and say, you can do this, and I'm going to walk with you through this. You need people in your life that when you don't please, when, you're not, when your life does not glorify God, when you've allowed your, your own selfish nature to override God's voice in your life, you need people to come alongside of you and say, hey, you're acting crazy. This does not glorify God. Come on. Let's walk this out together. See, godly community does that. But you have to desire that and be okay with that and realizing there's a bigger picture in community than just us going and eating and hanging out and having a good time. It's about growing closer to Christ. See, we must realize that, that community, that it's a place where we realize that we were designed by God for God. Y'all get that? We were designed by God for God. Like, he didn't design us just to, just to live life and, and die. He designed us to have fellowship with him, to live eternally with him. The moment you were born, that was the, the moment you were even created. You were designed to please God. And being in godly community helps me reach my potential in, in pleasing God every single day. Y'all with me this morning? I know everybody's sleepy, but we got to get with it. Come on, y'all, y'all with me? All right. And I think about the disciples. I think, I think about, about the disciples. A lot of us think that we can't have anything to bring to the table. We can't, we can't be in a community. We can't be, do life with people because of our background, because of our garbage, because of, because of the sin in our life. We think that because of what we came from, who we were, the sin we were in, like nobody's going to want to listen to us. No, we listen to all that doubt. Any of y'all struggled with that before? I know I have. You got all that doubt of who you once were, all that stuff going on. You can't. Let me tell you a secret. The disciples had the same junk going on. 
The disciples weren't perfect. God chose 12 ordinary men. Jesus chose 12 ordinary men to do life with. They didn't have to get their lives cleaned up. He just said, hey, come follow me. And they dropped everything and followed him. He didn't say, clean your life up first, then follow me. He said, come follow me. Because he knows that when you're truly following Jesus, you're going to transform, he's going to transform your life and change your life. But even being in the presence and the fellowship with the Lord and Savior is what honed those disciples into being the, the mighty men of God that they were. And they were the mighty men of God they were because of their past. Because they used their past to, to give them the passion to reach people. Don't allow your past to be, don't be a victim of your past. I look back and that's one of the things Satan kept telling me is nobody's going to listen to you because, because of who you once were. And as I began, the first time I remember I was preaching at a revival and I, and I hadn't really shared my testimony or nothing, my whole family was there. Nobody knew that me and Sabrina had struggled with our marriage. Nobody knew the addiction stuff because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very prideful person. I wasn't going to tell nobody. I'm not going to tell you I'm struggling. I wouldn't tell you I'm struggling. I'll tell you now. But the thing is, I wouldn't do that. And so I'm preaching this revival, and everybody, I'm, I've been the good child my whole life. My family's like, oh, Jeremy's the good one. He's the good one. He's the one Papa and Nana always say he's the good one. And, and then I'm sitting there with all my family, and God's telling me, I'm going to preach on Lazarus, and God's telling me, tell them what I've done in your life. I'm like, no, we're talking about Lazarus. <laughs> we ain't talking about me. This ain't about me. And as I kept going, I kept going, and finally, I, I preached for like 10, for, for like, well, I felt it was 20 minutes. Pete, I was at Pete's church. Pete said it was an hour. But anyway, I preached, and then I, I just couldn't preach, and I just, I just laid my whole life out. I was, I was a bumbling mess. I cried like a girl. I mean, I was just laid it all out there. And my daddy was sitting about four pews back looking like he was starstruck. Like. My aunt was over there, the one that think, that's always said how good I am. It was just like she had that look of disapproval the whole time, just looking at me. I'm like, well, that's it. No more, no more family reunions, no more praises. I'm going to be the black sheep from here on out. And when I get out of the pulpit, walking in, allowing Satan to... to make me walk in condemnation of myself. I walk up, I walk up to my aunt and she was like, can you, can you come talk to me next week? And I go talk to my aunt the next week and she lays out things that she had nothing told anybody. Why? Because I was transparent with my struggle. I was real about my struggle. And God didn't call us to be fake. He called us to be real. But when we're real people and we become transparent with people, when we allow to share our story, even when we messed up, it relates to people and they realize that we're not perfect and we're walking in this thing with each other. That's what godly community does. That's what it should look like. We've got to be that place to where we don't allow that to happen. We don't allow our past to, to make us feel disqualified. We've got, when we realize that this life is bigger than us, we realize that, that this church is a place where people are real and we do life together. We've got to be a place where we're real. You've got to feel comfortable enough to where you can be you. Because if you aren't being you, then how are you going to, if you're not going to be you here in the presence of God, then how are you going to be real out there? People see fakeness everywhere they go. 
People are looking for it to be real everywhere they go. We don't, and most of the time when you see somebody outside of church, you don't see the real person. When I see genuinely real people, I'm like, I want to hang out with you more often because it's very rare. You see somebody that don't care what anybody thinks. It's just, this is me. Take it or leave it because we want to please people. We're more worried about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. And when you throw realness out there, people want realness. There's so much, so many people out there that are fake. And I look at Jesus and I look at his life. He was real. He told them like he saw it. But he also had compassion on them. He also loved them. He was real. God's called us to be a people that are real. Ask yourself, am I real? Because if you had to really ask yourself that, there's a lot of you in this room that would want to praise Jesus and raise your hands and give him praise, but you won't do it because you're worried about what people around you are thinking. Well, if I pick my hand up, you know, they're going, you know what, don't worry about them. Because if they're judging you, they ain't going to make it where you're going anyway. Come on. I mean, we got to be real. We got to be serious. We gotta be, I'm, I'm, when I close my eyes, that's why I close my eyes when I worship, because I don't want none of y'all judging me. I'll close my eyes because I, I don't want nobody to distract me. And I'm thinking, most of the time when I'm praising Jesus, I'm thinking about Isaiah 6, of the Lord high and lifted up. I'm glorifying my God. I want to glorify him. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. But it took me a long time to get there because I walked in condemnation of what other people thought. I wasn't real for a long time. But let me tell you something. When you're real, there's freedom in that. God's called us to be people that are real. And we are only real when it's not about me. We're only real when it's not about me. We've got to be a place where we're able to make connections with other believers that are encouraging, that are strengthening, that are challenging other people to grow. I've got a friend of mine that, that uh, when, he, when he decided to follow Jesus, man, he struggled with his past. He struggled with all these different things. He wasn't living in a way that glorified God. And, and, and it's just walking with him through that whole process and just not just being real with him. He's like, well, what do you think my next step is? And I'm like, well, you need to do this. And he's he, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, I don't care if what you want to do, but this is what you need to do if you want to please God. Being real with people. And that realness... Be, seeing my friend walk from a man that, that, that he raised his hand for salvation and, and, and he just, he's making steps of obedience no matter what nobody thinks, what anybody likes. He wants, God to, he wants to please God more than anything else. To see his growth is pushing me on to grow because of his realness. Y'all with me today? We talk about money and we talk about not being fake and people's like, oh, we ain't going to talk in church. I mean, we got to be real. God says that the only way that we're really going to be the place where people are drawn to the presence of God is where we're real. See, we got to be able to be a place where, where we encourage other people. We got to be at a place where there's, there's a mixture between grace and truth. See, a lot of churches, a lot of, a lot of people, they lean toward legalism, and it's all about make, doing these things, and if you don't do these things in this order, then I'm mad at you. Instead of giving people grace, of realizing that people are messed up, and they're going to they're gonna fail, they're going to fall. I know when I first got saved, I mean, let me tell you, I went to church my whole life. 
my whole entire life, lost as I could be. I got saved in 2008. I told Sabrina, I come home. I was like, I was halfway mad. I was like, what in the world was going on? She said, what you mean? I was like, I went, I had to go to Atlanta to hear the gospel. I mean, what, these preachers right here ain't preaching the gospel. What's going on? And Sabrina's like, Jeremy, they're preaching the same thing. You just wasn't listening. Talking about being real. And I was like, well, you're probably right. But that, that, that passion to please God began to just overflow in my life. And, and I would go to church and I'd see people that, that wasn't living it. And I'd get so mad. I'd get so mad. I'd be like, man, what's wrong? I'd be looking down my nose at them. What's wrong with them? Why can't they see this? Why can't they see that? And finally, God made me realize that I was holding them to my standard, not to his standard. And we got to walk with grace realizing that people mess up. Because when you mess up, you want that grace. You got to go back to what grandma used to say. You got to treat people the way you want to be treated. You know what I'm saying? And so God's saying, God's saying we have to be that place that, that we, we, we give people the truth. But also we are people that are gracefully walking alongside of people when they mess up. Is that evident in your life? Because if it's bigger than you, you'll give people grace. But if it's all about you, you know my, most, my, most of the time while we... We, we fair to legalism is because we're worried about what people won't think about us being associated with people that are living this way. Mic drop. That's the reality. We have to be a place where we welcome people from all backgrounds and all situations. Connect group is where real life change happens, right? And, and I make a joke, my connect group, most of them are in the back in KK, so uh, they don't know I'm saying this, but we make a joke all the time how jacked up our connect group is. I was like, man, you know what? When we were in high school, none of us would have hung out with each other. None of us. Because we were all so different. But you know what the common bond of that is? Jesus. And Jesus just, he, he bridges all kinds of gaps, all kinds of, of economical gaps, all kinds of social gaps, every kind of gap he bridged. And we're in this group, people that just, we just wouldn't ever hang out with each other unless it was for God. And we're in this group looking around. It's like, man, even though we're all so different, we love each other so much. And you know what's cool about that? Is that is intoxicating. Because other people see that. And it's like, what, what, what's going on over there at your house? We, was, uh, we had a couple that uh, we were talking to. And, um, me, and uh, me and Megan, we actually were sitting down with a couple talking to them. Um, and... Uh, the, the, the boyfriend of the group, she was like, man, I was wondering what y'all was doing at y'all's house. I was like, man, y'all be getting it crunk up there on Friday, on Wednesday nights. Like, what you mean? He's like, he thought we were having a party at my, Beg and my, be, my, Bobby and Megan's every Wednesday night. He's like, because, man, y'all, y'all house be packed. There's all kind of people at your house. And, and it gave us the opportunity to tell them that we were studying God's word. And it was like, y'all doing what? That many people? Like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Why? Because we love Jesus. People see that is so odd. But when people are living in community together, it becomes to be this thing where everybody's looking and saying, what do you have that I don't? I know when I first started feeling that, when I first started getting in that real community, when we, when we started planting the church and Chase and Haley and other people um, from the core group were meeting at our house, it was just like, I, I told Dallas, I was like, man, this is what I've been missing for so long. That, 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 that feeling of, of feeling like you got people with you. When I'm struggling in that moment, I can text. I can send a text to my group and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this. And all of a sudden, 
I know I got 20 people praying for me. Man, I tell you, that's encouraging. Make you feel like you're not doing life alone. But see, it all goes back to life being not about you because you won't swallow your pride enough to let people in to say that you're struggling. That's why community is so important because it allows you to slay the sin of pride so that you can admit that you have need and seek help. Some of y'all need to get in a group just so you can slay pride in your heart. Oh, no, no smiles. All right. See, we have to be a place where we model and facilitate life-changing relationships among people. We have to be a place when, when life is not about us and this church is about Jesus, then we're all about reaching, reaching the next person and, and growing and walking with them. Life-changing relationships. Let me tell you what, 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 what gets me. It's, it's, when, I first, when, I, I was, uh, when I first started preaching and, and doing different things, I, I became associate pastor, and uh, me and pastor sat down, and we were talking about my schedule and my things I had to do, and, and I was like, man, this is easy. This is all I got to do to be a pastor of a church. This is easy. This is a cakewalk. Visit them when they're sick. Do this. Do, and it was, it was a list. I was like, man, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I can make a schedule. And I like to go by the schedule. So I made this schedule. And I was going, and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can work two jobs and do this. I mean, what you talking about? This is a breeze. But when you start adding in to doing life with other people, that complicates your schedule a little bit. And I found myself, as, as I, my heart began to get more and more into really walking with people and being in community with people, what I began to realize is I had to back off of that some because what I was doing is I was discipling a different person every night of the week. Also, I had my lunch schedule booked where I was, had people meet me for lunch. And it was just, it's in, to me, it's addictive walking with people, and you begin to see God changing their lives, and you see the lights coming on, and you see that there's passion there, and you see that hey, God's doing a work in this man or this woman's life. It's addictive to me. But you won't ever encounter that or experience that unless you get off of your butt. And in to life with other people. And God's called us to be a people that are in community with other believers, doing life with one another, loving one another. See, when you go back to Acts 2. You got it up on the screen. Acts 2. Verse 42 says this. says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily, daily, who were being saved. See, when we live in community, we live in community, we're truly people that are pursuing God. God's gonna add to our numbers daily because people wanna see a real relationship with Jesus. People want to see the realness. Go to back to 46. But see, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with sincere hearts. See, that last part is key. 
sincere hearts. We've got to have a transparent heart. How many of you are comfortable with being transparent with somebody beside you? Being transparent of your struggles, being transparent with your failures, being transparent with what, where you are right now with God. See, in order for us to be the church, in order for us to be the people that adds to the number of those being saved daily, we have to be the people that are transparent. See, when we're transparent, that shows that it ain't about me. Some of the hardest things it is for me to do is to share with my connect group my struggles because I'm the pastor. I'm not supposed to struggle, right? I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to have been arrived. And Satan's always telling me, you can't share that. You share you struggling on this, you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. You can't share that. And, I really, and one day I told Satan to shut up and I shared something that, that I've been struggling with. And it was the struggle of people's approval. And I began to share that with my connect group. And, and you know what happened? I left that connect group. My connect group lifted me up. They began to speak truth into my life. They just began to tell me what, what I really need to listen to. And so I was robbing not only me, but I was robbing them of the blessing of pouring into me. So we're not transparent with one another. We're robbing each other of the blessings that God has called us to have. See, community is a vital part of God's church. And when we're in community, when we're serving God, when we allow God to mold us and shape us through godly community and godly companionship, it's like a chisel and a rock. And we're knocking away at it every day. We're allowing God to knock away the rough edges. We're allowing God to knock away the stuff that don't belong. And the more we're in that community, the more we're following Christ, the more we're allowing God to shape us, He's chiseling us more and more into the image in which He's created us to be. The disciples would not have made it to their full potential if it hasn't been for that community with Christ in the center. And you will never make it to your full potential as a follower of Jesus Christ. You will never experience peace. You will never experience the things that, that, that God wants you to experience apart from godly community. And that's why Connect Group is so important to our church. That's why it's so important to me. Because I want people to see that life is bigger than themselves. And when, we're, when life is bigger than us, we begin to be authentic. We begin to be real. We begin to be the real church. And I've seen people that were fake for so long. I've told you before, I used to party with most of the deacons in my church. I'll take that back, not most of them, a few of them. And, and I, used to, I used to go and I'd see Sunday school teachers that were that were. I'm not us, and they were every from every church. I believe I've seen Sunday school teachers at the bar on Saturday night and teaching Sunday school on Sunday. And you know, I, I began to see that, and you know, I realized, you know what? If that's all it means to follow Jesus, I can do this without Jesus because they were. They were going to church. They were going through the motions. They were, but they were living life they wanted to. You can do that without Jesus. And it was a, it was, it was people not being real. And I realized that when when I really met God. When I really met Jesus in Woodstock, Georgia in 2008, when I met him, he made me realize that it wasn't about religion, it was about a relationship. And when I started pursuing him, then I began to be real. I began to be authentic. I began to, to really start showing characteristics of Christ. 
And the more I was in community with other believers, it began to reveal to me things in my life that were not authentic so I could redirect it and change it. See, God's called us to be a people that are real. God's called you to be real this morning. Be authentic. Be a real believer, real follower of Christ. Not somebody that's just going through the motions. Because there's more at stake here than just your pride. There's more at stake here than what everybody thinks about you. What is at stake here is you pleasing Jesus with the time he has allowed you to be on this earth. And the only way you, you, that happens is you realize that this is bigger than me. This is bigger than me. You know, when Sabrina and I were going through our issues with marriage and I was going to church and she didn't want to go, she said something to me that shook me to the core and I always, I always remember that. She was mad and bitter at God and she was mad and bitter at anybody that had anything to do with God at the time because she had lost her dad. And, uh, I was mad one day. I said, why won't you go to church? Just come go back to church with me. She said, Jeremy, why do I want to go to church with people that don't even want to be there? I was like, okay, what's, why do you say that? She said, Jeremy, when we go to the bar, everybody's there for the same reason. Everybody's there just to have a good time and get stuff off their chest. Everybody's there for the same reason. But when you go to church, everybody's there not for the same reason. They've got their own initiative. They've got their own thing. So why do I want to go to church with people that don't even want to be there? I was like, no words. No words. Godly community will shape, will cut out the fakeness in your life. Godly community will bring you to an authentic relationship with Jesus. But if you continue to be prideful and say, I want to live on this island by myself so that I don't have to listen to nobody else, then you'll still be fake you will never experience all that God has in store for you. You know, even Jesus needed community. All the way to the last breath, he needed community. See, Jesus modeled community better than anybody because the last, the last supper, we're fixing to take communion in just a second. But what Jesus did is he had communion where he actually had an intimate meal with, the, with, the, with his with his with his group, with his 12. And he was telling them what was fixing to happen, what was fixing to go down. He was sharing with them where he was, that he was going to die, that he was going to be resurrected. He was sharing with them. And even them being in the presence of Jesus themselves didn't really get it. But he says, as they were eating, he said, here, take this bread. He says, and eat it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread, remember the sacrifice that I'm going to pay for you. He says, here's this blood. Here's this wine, this juice that we're going to eat, drink in a minute. He says, drink this in remembrance of me. Whenever you see this, remember it's a symbol of the blood that I have shed, I'm going to shed for you. Remember this. He wanted his people. He wanted his group. He wanted his disciples to get it. He wanted them to understand the realness of it. communion is something that is so special because it should always bring us to the reality of that Jesus needed community. That Jesus didn't do life alone. That Jesus was more focused on the, on the, 
on the walk of those 12 men. He, wanted, he knew that those 12 men, he was going to influence those 12 men. And because of the faithfulness of those 12 men, him pouring into those 12 men, they were going to change the world. And it wasn't for Jesus pouring into those 12 men, who knows where we'd be now. And there's people that you, God's called you to pour into. There's people that God's called you to disciple. That there's people that God has called you to influence. But you won't do that if it's all about you. And God's called us to be people that make disciples. And if Jesus did it, it wouldn't, if it wasn't too good for Jesus, it's not too good for me. Amen? So some of us need to start searching our hearts and our souls. Of saying, you know what, where is this selfishness coming from? Where, where, where's this stuff? That, well, how can I stop being fake and what do I need to start being more obedient in? What, what, what's going to help me be more authentic? Fixing to take communion, if you will, 1 Corinthians 11. See, communion is something that we take for granted so much. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, one night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is my, the new cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, remembrance of me. For whatever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So whenever, so then, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. See, we can't be fake and take part in communion without being judged. And so many people would rather just pass that, drink that, that uh, juice and take that little bit of bread and not get right with God because they're worried about what people are going to think. And I want you to understand that God demands our obedience. He don't care one rib about you pleasing your neighbor. He cares about your obedience to him. And if we're going to be real people, then we need to deal with the real sin in our life. And we need to get right with the real God. As the band comes up, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about where you've been this past week. I tell you what, close your eyes, if you will. Just close your eyes. Don't, don't look around. Don't think about who's sitting next to you. But I want you to think about your life this past week. Did it glorify God? What are you struggling with? What do you need to come and lay at the feet of Jesus so that when you take this, this cup in remembrance of the blood and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you before you were born, he was thinking of you when he died on that cross. And so... What did you do this week to please him? How about, the, how about that body that was broken for us? The lashes that was taken for us? The, the, the pain that he suffered for us? When we take this bread in a moment, I want you to think about that was done for you and me. Not to be taken lightly. Not to be just, just like, let's get this over with. No, to take it and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Can you do that with an authentic, real heart today?
when the roll is called up yonder, and the day that you see Jesus face to face, is your life structured in such a way that he, you're going to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant? God's given us all the tools to put in your toolbox to glorify him. The thing is, you got to pick them up and use them. So maybe today you need to come up here and lay down some things at this altar. You need to lay down some burdens so that you can take from this in a way that glorifies God. And he'll be pleased with you. Father God, we come to you right now and we pray, Lord, that you would just move in us, Lord. God, I pray that we would be real people. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be real people. God, that we would be genuine people, Lord. God, that we wouldn't be just coming through these doors, going through the motions. That God, we would be truly real with you and real with other people around us. That, that who we are projecting is who we are internally, God. So move in our hearts, Lord. God, I'm constantly reminded that, that you'll use a broken vessel. You'll use those of us that are broken, that's been beaten by this life, but you will not use a dirty vessel. And God, there's many people in this room right now, God, that they've been seeking their purpose. They've been trying to seek and, and look for what you want them to do, but they won't deal with the sin in their life. So God, I pray right now for holy conviction over their life, that God, that you would point and put your hands on the dirtiness inside of them they refuse to deal with, God. And I pray that you would just remove it in your powerful name, Jesus. Because God, I know you're more worried about our holiness than our happiness. So God, move in our hearts. God, change us so that we are the reflection of you that we claim to be. And God, I know that none of this is possible unless you unless you do it. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And God, I'm coming to you today just like the woman came to Jesus. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be washed clean. I so desire, Lord, to hug you and lay at your feet. But God, this morning, I'd be just as satisfied with touching your garment. God, help us be hungry for you. God, change our desires. God, change our hearts. Please, Lord, let what we say be what our heart really is. And God, help us be consumed by leaning on you and leaning on others so we can be made into the image you called us to be. So God, touch us. God, move in us. In Jesus' name.